You're listening to the Gate Charlotte Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Don't you mute me like that. Hello? Hello? Too much power back there. All right. Um, so uh, thank you guys so much for just giving me this opportunity, yes, um, to, to share with you guys. Um, before we jump into the message, and I'm super excited about what God has put on my heart for y'all, I know that this house is a landing place for revival, for the presence of God, and he's given me three keys that I feel like we're just going to go a little deeper. It's stuff that maybe you might think about but not have really gone deep into. But first, um, we had our team back home praying over all of you and John and Tiffany and um, even uh, Pastor Katie and John, who is one of our elders, came out just to be here today. And so if you guys want to come up, we're going to read some of those prophetic words over John and Tiffany and this house Um, just to release what heaven has been speaking over you guys. So before we do this, I want you to just put your hands out in front of you, (laughs) close your eyes, and just say, Holy Spirit, come. I give you permission to do whatever you want in me. Mess me up. (laughs) Put me on the path that you have. (laughs) I just want my life to be all yours. Yeah, so Holy Spirit, open up my ears to hear, and my eyes to see, and my heart to receive all that you're saying and doing right now. And just stay in that posture of receiving as we just release some of these words. So um, I'll do the first one. and, and it's so neat, like, so my team had no clue of anything, any of our conversations or what I'm going to speak on, nothing, like zero. We gave them nothing. We're like, it's John and Tiffany, um, the church is called The Gate, that's it. <laughs> They're in Charlotte. <laughs> so um, the first word uh, says, you have invited a northern wind of refreshing into your house. You will not only receive refreshing, but also renewal. You will be restored to your youthful energy and desires, but with a maturing and with expectations you could only have gained with the time, work, and love that you have spent these last few years. He says, well done, good and faithful servants. The best is yet to come. Celebration is on the menu. Ha ha. <laughs> right? <laughs> All right, so go for the next one, Katie. The next one is, I saw kitchen cabinets, and I knew that God was speaking of supply, of provision, not to fear because he would take care of every need. When I looked back at them, I realized they were a soft green, the shade of green that is on dollar bills. Ha-ha. So John and Tiffany, I saw the flow of what you carry and release like that river in Ezekiel 47. There'll be swarms of living things wherever this river flows. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea, for its waters will become fresh. Life will flourish wherever this water flows. It continues, and then it continues to describe the fruit trees. Fruit trees of all kinds will be growing along both sides of the river. The leaves of those trees will never turn brown and fail. And there will always be fruit on the branches. There will be a new crop every month, for they are watered by the river flowing from the temple. The fruit will be food and the leaves for healing. The gate is key to the city. It carries life, abundant life, through what your house releases. The dead things that come to life, whether it be souls or anything regarding the marketplace... The trees uh-huh. <laughs> are the people that you pour into and then have planted themselves alongside of you. John and Tiffany, they produce fruit. They produce various kinds of fruit based on their giftings. They are so firmly rooted, their leaves will never turn brown. They know how to tap into the river 
as you both have clearly demonstrated in your own lives and have invited them into that place of intimacy with the Lord. This is the season that will blow your mind as to the abundance and the variety of fruit that will be produced. I hear the words, fruit of endurance, as it will sustain all that will be required to sustain revival. Nothing will be wasted. It will be unending supply. I also hear the Lord saying heirloom seeds have been planted among the trees from past revivals. All right. And these seeds are breaking ground now. We know that the Lord is always doing a new thing, but he will never discount the old. It won't look the same, but the fragrance will. Be expectant to have manifestations of glory happen. The fragrance will be astounding. <laughs> That's so fun. Okay, and this one is for you, John. It says, the first thing I sense is that you take good care of Tiffany. When praying, I heard a few things. Keeper of God's people, key, watchman, and sound the alarm. I see you as a watchman. You diligently walk back and forth on a roof of a castle, the territory that God has given you. At night, you're alert, still pacing back and forth with a lantern in your hand, keeping your people safe. At any given moment, you're ready to sound the alarm if danger approaches. Remember, the battle is the Lord's. I also feel like there is a key you will be given to unlock new ways of caring for people. Do you want to do Tiffany? Okay. Tiffany, I sense that you love well specifically towards those who may come off as spicy, intimidating, <laughs> or have a bad attitude. <laughs> you are not easily intimidated by the surface levels of people. You see this as a challenge that you can break through with the love of God. For this group of people, you are considered a cool breeze in the calm of a beautiful autumn day. You carry the peace of God. I also see you by a fire wrapped in a cozy, furry white blanket. In this place, you feel safe and secure. This reminds me of Psalm 91, 1 through 4. Okay. And John, do you want to read this one for the two of them? Oh. <laughs> yes. John and Tiffany, I heard the word key for both of you. I saw you both reaching a hand up to God, and he's giving you both individual keys. You took those individual keys and put them on top of each other, and they became one key. That one key is used to unlock more of your hearts towards each other. I saw you each taking turns, using that key and putting it towards each other's hearts. And as your hearts begin to unlock, a light began to beam out of you both. With this key comes more vulnerability, more intimacy, and more connection. I am reminded of 1 Thessalonians 3.12. And the Lord make you increase and abound in love, one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. And this word um, says, I saw feathers raining down on the congregation. It symbolizes more glory and angelic help, new commissioning. As they fall and landed on people, uh, they became feathers of flames with new anointing. It imparts a greater level of boldness to go and to do. And um, for the whole church, again, this is the last one. I saw a string of glistening pearls. They were perfectly rounded. And I felt that you and your church are the string as a whole. You are involved in the process of shaping and collecting the pearls. The pearls are key people you have and will raise up in the church, and the events and works your church will be a part of and lead. They adorn God, and they are so bright they can't help but be noticed. He is so proud that he shows them all like the story of the woman who lost the coin and found it. And um, I also just felt like I just want to release this, that um, I could see um, this season coming for all of you of worship. It's not by accident that the Lord has given you a father and a mother who carry gifts in worship. 
because it always, revival has always been about his presence and it's always been out of that place of adoration and putting him first. And I see this season of worship breaking loose to a place where the glory of the Lord just falls in such a, a way that there's no more awareness of yourself. There's no more insecurities. There's no more, you know, oh, what if I look stupid or whatever. Like people are just going to be all over the place, just falling out in the presence of God, weeping, you know, laughing, crying, whatever the Holy Spirit is doing, but just completely resting thick on this house. I could just see this like golden glory pad of like, come, come here, come here. And um, I really feel like um, in this time that, that as you guys are praying for this house and for John and Tiffany, also be in that posture of praying for one another to fully surrender. I just feel that is so key for what the Lord wants to release, this full surrender, just complete freedom. And um, so it, would you guys just right now just extend your hands to these guys as a father and a mother who carry the presence, who carry that uh, key to open up the heavens and to see the glory come, but also um, knowing that as we pray for them, we're praying for what God is going to release to all of you. So Father, I just thank you. I thank you for the way that you have raised these two up from a young age, God, you have set them apart. You have called them. You have chosen them. You have anointed them and appointed them for such a time as this. And God, all over the earth, you are raising up men and women to stand side by side, representing fully the heart of God, male and female. He created them in his image. And so, Father, we thank you that we have a mother and a father, Lord, that you've taken Tiffany even on a journey of coming out of the shadows and coming into a place of co-leading and co-reigning with her husband. And Lord, we just say yes. We say yes to the multiplication of that in this house, to the freedom of men and women, to the empowering of husbands and wives, of single men, single women, to walk fully in the identity and the destiny of what you have created them to be, that this house is a house of glory, hope. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. This house is a sweet incense of worship to you. Whoa. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and Holy Spirit, I just ask right now for refreshing, for the refreshing rain of your spirit to fall on every time that they just look to you, Lord, the first moment they turn their eyes and their hearts to you that it would just be a wide open heaven, a wide open heaven where your mercy and your goodness and your love just refreshes each heart, each body, each spirit, Lord. Yeah. I even just feel like just breathe him in right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's not about our striving, it's not about our efforts, it's just loving him and letting him love us. And that just opens up everything, everything, everything. So we thank you, Lord, for the opening up of the gates. <laughs> You're opening the gate of heaven even in their worship, Lord, in their adoration that you're opening up the gate of heaven. And it's gonna first fill this place, but it's gonna overflow. It's gonna become a mighty river and it's gonna saturate this region with your glory, God. Oh, yeah. And just in the spirit, I know this might seem silly, but it's a prophetic act. I could just see like the runway at the airport where they have the the guys on the ground waving the sticks like you're clear to land so i just want everyone to just do that up to the lord like holy spirit you are clear to land <laughs> i'm ready i don't care how silly i look i just want to have you more of you 
Yeah, so we thank you, Holy Spirit, for just childlike faith, childlikeness in your presence, God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, amen. Amen. <laughs> Thanks, guys. All right. 1125. Man. Okay, you're lucky you don't go to my church. <laughs> because I am terrible with time. <laughs> um, something that is so on my heart for you guys. So I mentioned three keys of revival. Um, and I know I'm in my bare feet. I hope you guys are okay with that. <laughs> oh, good, good. I just had this sense, like, I can be at home here. I can be myself, like... I could just feel that like kindred spirit of family, so um, I'm just going to go for it, and uh, I'm going to do my best to release all that God put in my heart for you guys this morning by 12 o'clock. Uh, <laughs> at Vanguard, we kind of just, sometimes it's 12.05 or 12.10 or 12.15, <laughs> but I will do my best to honor the children's workers, because I know they're always the ones like, <laughs> how much longer service? <laughs> so, um, all right. So, um, in this season, I know we've just come out of so much craziness in the world and COVID and whatever, you know, and um, I was even personally, like I talked through with these guys, like so many things. I just feel like the saints have just been under assault and who has felt that warfare just you know, whether it be in the atmosphere or even just directly coming at you. And so, you know, we've been um, going after more intercession and more um, opening up worship and these kind of things. But you, how many of you know, like, sometimes you can get so focused on the battle and so focused on the promises and declaring and warring and all of that, that you can kind of lose that place of resting in his presence, Right? And everything that we do is supposed to be done out of rest. You know, when we get too focused on the warring and the interceding and the declaring and, you know, looking for the miracles and the signs and wonders, we can miss the whole point, which is being with Jesus, being with the Father, being with the Holy Spirit, right? And so um, the first key that I want to talk about is hosting his presence just like living out of that place of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Um, tonight I'm going to get more into that, and we're just going to go for it and like open up Holy Spirit. We're going to lay hands on people. You know, um, these guys said I had freedom tonight. So, <laughs> so if you just want more of his presence, or maybe you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, um, but we're going to go for it and just let the Holy Spirit just come alive. But... Um, for this morning, um, you know, I went through this season where I was like really just feeling tired, feeling stressed, you know, um, and, and it was like going through, processing through all that um, warfare, all the grief, all the loss, you know, I know um, many of us had plans and things that had to be canceled or, you know, trips we couldn't take or family we couldn't see, you know, there's all this loss and grief mixed in there with the warfare. And so um, the Holy Spirit was speaking to me because I was just like, man, like I've forgiven everyone I could forgive. I've journaled about all my stuff. I've, you know, declared all my promises. And, you know, and I was still just feeling like weary, you know, like, what the heck? Yeah. God, I just need your refreshing. And I felt like he said, Jessica, I want you for the month of June I'm going to give you grace and energy. I want you to wake up extra early, and I want you to just take an hour and just adore me. Look at me. Worship me. Declare who I am. Let me tell you who you are. Don't intercede. Don't declare one promise or prophetic word or anything. Just be caught up in that place, you and me. And I was like, okay. And man, that's hard when you're used to interceding or declaring, you know, you get in there and you're like worshiping and like 10, 15 minutes in, you know, things are coming to your mind that you want to pray into. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. God said no, no intercession right now. This is not the time. 
So I had to like push that stuff to the side and, and really just get back to that place of first love. And I just know like everything flows out of that. Um, we, we need to be lovers of God, first and foremost, lovers of the Father, lovers of Jesus, lovers of the Holy Spirit, just caught up in love, so in love with him, right? Like when you're in love, anything and everything is like on the table. You'll do whatever, right? Like you, you're like, I don't care. Like I'll scream from the rooftops. I'll fly an airplane with a banner. I'll get onto the jumbotron at a game or whatever. You know, like you don't care. You're just like, you know, I just want to show everyone how much I love you. And, and that is where revival is going to come from. It's not going to come from warring and interceding and declaring, even though we will do that. We will, in ways, do that, but it will come after the first love. The first love always has to be the first priority. So if you've been feeling that weariness, if you've been feeling, you know, just um, grief or loss or f- stressed or whatever, you know, the warfare in the atmosphere, get back to that place where you just push everything else aside and you just adore Jesus. You adore the Father. You adore the Holy Spirit. You just pour yourself out in love and let him love on you because that's going to bring you back. I I tell you, like it wasn't even a week and I started feeling excited. I was waking up before my alarm and like I was excited, like I can't wait to go spend that time with the Lord. Like, and normally I want coffee, whatever, you know, I'm like, like, (laughs) you know, but I was just like, man, like I'm so excited to have this time with the Lord. And it's so crazy that we can forget that, right? Like, no matter how long we've walked with the Lord. I've been walking with the Lord really fast. I was 10 years old in a basically not Christian house. My parents were Catholic by name, but smoking weed and partying every weekend. And, you know, and the Holy Spirit just started to encounter me as a child and speak to me through a hard situation. My parents were going to get divorced, and I just cried out to the Lord and I began to read and, and pray and talk to the Lord, and the Lord talked to me. And, you know, it was not, nobody led me in a sinner's prayer, right? It was not a transaction of, you know, somebody casting out, you're going to go to hell, and the only way you're going to get free and go to heaven is if you say these words. It was all about relationship. And because I was 10, It was so easy to read the words of Jesus and talk to God as a loving father. And I hadn't read the Old Testament. Nobody talked to me about the Bible. Nobody was mentoring me in anything, you know, like I knew about Noah's Ark or something, but, you know, not much else. And and so all I did for five years, I just read the New Testament Psalms and Proverbs. You know how the Gideons give it out? Thank God for the Gideons, right? (laughs) So many people have been saved because of those Gideon Bibles. So... Um, I just was reading that New Testament Psalms and Proverbs for five years. And I tried to go to the priest, you know, for, I'd ask questions like, uh, you know, Father, how come if Jesus taught us to pray the Our Father prayer on the rosary, we only have one of those and we have 10 of the other Hail Mary that somebody wrote, a human. Why don't we pray 10 of the prayers that Jesus told us to pray? (laughs) And one of the other one, you know, and he'd be like, I don't know. You know, like, he didn't know what to tell me. Another time I came back, I'm like, Father, if it says in the scripture, call no man father except your heavenly father, how come we call you father? And he's like, I don't know. You know like, I just kept coming. Finally, thank God for the Holy Spirit wisdom, right? I was 12 years old. The priest was like, I think you should stop reading your Bible. It's confusing you. And I was like, I think I'm going to stop asking you questions and keep reading the Bible. <laughs> Just going to ask Holy Spirit, right? <laughs> and, and so seriously, when I was like 13, the Holy Spirit said to me, I want you to read just one chapter, but wait until something jumps off the page. And even if you have to read it three times, just keep rereading it until something speaks to you. And then I want you to write that verse down in your diary. And what, you know, I didn't know a journal. I had a diary. And (laughs) 
I, I, it was so funny because if you look back at my diary, like it, it was like this pink diary with white hearts all over it. And then inside I had like um, my horoscope stuff and I had, you know, the boys I liked. And, and then I had my verse, you know, like and what the Lord was saying because nobody was mentoring me. And I was just like learning on my own with the Lord. So, um, so it was this very organic and he would show me pictures when I was 10 I prophesied to my parents. I prophesied to my dad. I had a vision about our family, and then I had a vision about them being restored, and I just started to speak and tell him, you know, you and mom are going to get back together in four, I could sense four, I'm like, four weeks? No, four months. And he's like, no, honey, because they were in divorce court and everything, and and, uh, I'm like, yes, God said it, God said it. And I was like so obstinate as a 10-year-old, that, and finally, he just gave up. He was like, all right, whatever. I'm like, I can't convince her. You know, I, I just had that childlike faith that if God said it, he's going to do it, right? Like, we talk ourselves out of so many things that God has said to us when really we need to live and move and have our being from the word that God has spoken to us, right? So, um, so in this place, we want to get into the presence of God. Man, I've had so many things in the last year, crazy things, that God spoke into, and his words literally were like my life. Like, have you ever been at that place where you felt like, I'm going to die if I don't hear your voice, if I don't feel you, like, I can't even make it through today. Like, it is so hard. It is so bad. I just need you. I just need a word from you. Like, I could feel the hunger in me. Like, uh, like I just wanted to be in my prayer closet, like, Ah, oh, feed me, Daddy. I need my daily bread. You know, and, and he always responds to that hunger. He always responds to that hunger. So let that hunger come in you for his word, for his voice. Um, so, so, you know, we, we get to that place of we can kind of like the foundation of our Christianity, I feel like a lot of times can be off where it's about... Um, getting rid of sin and getting to heaven. But that was never the point of it. None of that. I mean, that it's extra bonus, you know. But, like, the whole goal is relationship. It's intimacy. It's, it's, and, and the miracle is, when I'm saying about hosting the presence, right, like, we don't just get a touch where we're like, ooh, wow, I felt God for a minute. You know, like it's like God comes and he lives in us and we become a completely new creation. It says that we become like Jesus, right? Like he was, he was God, but he was flesh. And, and we become that. Did you know that's who you are? If you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, you are like Jesus, you carry that same presence of God. And it's insane, like, we forget the reality of that, right? We get so caught up in our, just our natural mind and our natural way of operating, and we completely forget that living inside of us is the God who created the universe, right? So when it says nothing is impossible with God, right, but then we're like, oh, I got this diagnosis, you know, uh, or, oh, my kid is struggling with X, Y, and Z, or, you know, what, whatever it is, the mountain we're facing, financial impossibilities. We have a choice. We have a choice to lean in to the voice of God and what God has spoken and what the Holy Spirit in us is doing and stir that up, or we can just operate based on our own carnal thinking and our own fear and how can I fix it in my own strength? And, you know, and one is life and one is death. Like we think it's good enough to do our own strength, but it's death. It actually is death. When, when Jesus says, save us from the evil one in the Lord's prayer, the evil one means toilsome one. So like living out of working out of our own flesh and our own strength and what we can do is the evil one that Jesus is trying to rescue us out of. And we cannot even live this life. Like I was blown away. I was reading um, John 14 and 15, kind of meditating on it. 
uh, a couple of weeks ago. And I was blown away. I was looking in um, the Passion Translation notes. How many of you love Brian Simmons and his Passion Translation notes, right? Like so many times I'm reading something. I'm like, what? Like, why is this not preached all the time? This is a game changer, right? Have you ever been there where you're like, you want to like hop around like tell everybody like, did you know this? Did you ever know this? Did anyone ever tell you this? You know, so I'm reading about the Holy Spirit. And um, in the note, it explains, we know the name is paraclete in Greek, you know, um, and uh, if any of you remember from science, like the paraclete, you know, comes alongside, whatever. So we're like, okay, it's the one who comes alongside. But that is not the full revelation. People call him the comforter, they call him the um, spirit of truth, you know, the teacher, the advocate, whatever. None of those fully conveys what Brian Simmons unpacked, the root words for paraclete. Okay, so the root word, are you ready? The first word is prak, and it means to end, to redeem, or to save. Okay, you got that? The next word is lita, and it means the curse. Put that together in your head for a minute. To end, to redeem, to save from the curse. What? Right? I was like, like I've been saying forever, like, guys, it's all about being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's all about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Jesus died and did everything that he did so that we could be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be, right? Like, and then I read that and I was like, there it is. There it is. You can't even be saved from the curse unless you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Right? And, and we don't teach that. We don't. Like, I just talked to somebody in Reading and she was like, she grew up in the church, and um, she was Baptist, and she was like, I was so mad as an adult that no one ever told me about the Holy Spirit. She's like, I wasted all my life stressing out and going into sin and having all these anxieties and phobias and, you know, messed up relationships and all this stuff. And she's like, oh, they could have just told me I'm supposed to get filled with the Spirit. <laughs> right? Like. We, we totally missed it with the gospel message. We're like, yeah, come and Jesus is going to forgive your sins. Why? Yes. Why? Why? So that you can run into the presence of God and be in relationship with him face to face, right? That holy of holies veil, what happened? Torn in half so that everyone could boldly enter into the throne room of grace, right? What? Like, we have believed a lie. Like, we're messed up even in the way we tell the gospel. So we, this is, like, such a big deal, right? Like, we need to get it in our heads that we can't talk about, you know, that it's being set free from sin. Because, yes, it is, but it's so much more. It's about becoming a whole new creation, becoming a child of light. It says that we're carriers of his glory that he himself lives in us. We are the temple of the living God, right? Like, like, if we really meditate on that, I want you to take a second. Okay, think about that. Because all of us, if Jesus walked into this room and was like, hey, I'm here, and he was going to lay hands on people for healing, how many of you would believe you'd be healed? Yes, yes right? So what's the difference? The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ in us. And it's all about our faith or our unbelief. The way that we choose to believe the Lord or not believe the Lord, right? Like, there's so much available to us because of the Holy Spirit living in us. And the more we meditate on that and focus on the fact that the one who raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. We're just going to overflow. You're just not going to be able to help but to overflow with signs and wonders and miracles just walking around like Peter with his shadow, right? So um, Charles Finney, how many of you have heard of him? 
Oh, that reminds me. If you have never studied revival, that's another thing you need to do. Okay, this is just one kind of intro book that it, it's really cool. It's called 2,000 Years of Charismatic Christianity. And basically, it tracks the outpouring of the Spirit from Pentecost. And it's like a torch being handed from generation to generation to generation. And it tells of what the Holy Spirit has been doing for 2,000 years in the earth, in people just like you and me, right? Normal, average people who got filled with the Holy Spirit. And you're going to see manifestations where people are shaking, they're falling down, they're getting caught up in visions, they're slain in the Spirit, they're people getting healed, you know, whatever, all the same things that we see today, because that's when you're talking to people, they're like, oh, this is weird, and this is not God, you know, who's ever been there where Christians are, like, attacking you because they're like, this is not God, you know, and you got to know your history, your church history, so you can help them come to that realization. So Charles Finney, amazing revivalist, entire city of Rochester got saved under his ministry, right? Um, he'd walk into a factory. People would just start falling out, weeping, crying out, like, how can I be saved? Whatever. Like, he didn't even preach. He's just walking into the factory, right? Like, who wants to carry God's presence like that, right? And so what happened to him, he was like a young lawyer, and he didn't get raised as a Christian, and, and he started, like, reading the Bible because of his law study. And he, he was kind of friends with a pastor in his town, and he would go to stuff at the church. And he just did not, he was, like, just mind blown of, like, okay, what I read in the Bible is not what I see in the church. He's like, something's off. Either you guys are wrong and the Bible is right, or, like, all this is a lie. And, you know, so he goes to the Lord, and he basically says, show me. If, if you are real and what I'm reading in this Bible is real, show me. And he has this insane encounter with the love of God. He gets radically filled with the Holy Spirit. He talks about how waves and waves of liquid love just poured over him for hours, and he wept, and he wept, and all of, you know, his fear, all of his guilt, his shame, whatever, his weakness, it all just poured out of him as he was consumed with the love of God. And so when he went out to do his ministry, he would tell people, you know, you need to have an encounter with God. And he had a whole row, a front row. He called it the waiting bench. And he was like, if you've never had an encounter with the love of God, you, can't, you can choose to receive salvation, but then you still have to receive it, right? Like it's both, right? So he had people come and sit on the front row who were choosing to receive salvation and waiting for the encounter to be filled and transformed. And that's why. When they went back 10 years later, they said 85 to 90% of the city was still saved and walking in the fruit of salvation, right? They didn't run up to the altar. How many people have seen people come to the altar in fear, say a prayer, and then they leave and you don't see any difference? You're like, what just happened? Like, I'm, I have no interest. I didn't even say a prayer to begin with. But I have no interest in having notches on my belt to say, 100 people said a prayer today. Yay for me. That's not what it is, right? Like, we want to bring people into a relationship with the living God and get them filled with the Holy Spirit so they become a new creation. They can't even be a Christian if they're not filled with his spirit. It's just an exercise of frustration, so revival is never going to happen just by leading people to say a sinner's prayer. We have to live out of the overflow of the Spirit, and we need to lead other people into a Spirit-filled life. And when we're dedicated to bringing the Spirit of God into every environment, which means we got to take that time every day just getting filled. When we're dedicated to that and leading people into that encounter, we're going to see revival right? That's a huge key. It's so different than just leading people to a prayer. All right. Um, key number two, favor. I'm going to try and do this faster. <laughs> so um, favor, Jesus, I'm just going to read Jesus's announcement of his ministry. Okay. Luke 4 verses 17 through 19. 
Um, Jesus gets up after he's fasted for 40 days, and he reads the scroll from Isaiah the prophet. It's handed to him, and it's Isaiah 61 if you want to read that. But um, he enrolls the scroll and finds the place where it's written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's... Say it loud. What? Favor. Favor has come. Hmm. He skipped over. There's a line in there. If you read Isaiah 61, there's a line about the anger and the judgment of God. He omitted that. Seriously, <laughs> we're up here talking about the wrath of God and the judgment of God, and Jesus deleted it. <laughs> like, hmm, maybe we're missing a gospel point here. <laughs> Something's wrong in our good news about Jesus, right? Like, if he's not talking about the wrath and the anger of God, why the heck are we? Why are we dwelling on that? Why are we creating this fear and this shame and this place where people are afraid to come to God when they mess up. When your kid messes up, if your kid's caught up in a sin, what do you want them to do? They better come to you, right? You don't want them to go further out into the world and try and figure it out on their own. That's the worst plan. And Jesus came and he sat eating and drinking with the sinners and the prostitutes and he touched the lepers and made them whole. It was the total opposite of what their paradigm was of holiness, which was run away from all the evil people, keep yourself separate from all the bad things, and you know because you're in this little bubble that you're going to be holy. No, it was because the Holy Spirit in him, right? Like I tell people the holy is not the Holy Spirit's first name, like, we, we think of it just like a side thing, like, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, his name's Holy Spirit, whatever. Like, no, when the spirit of holiness lives in you, when you are cultivating time with the spirit of holiness, what is the fruit of it? You will walk in holiness. I used to read Jesus' words when he said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. Almost like a challenge, like prove it. If you really love me, you're going to obey my commands. And I was like, okay, I'm trying my best to obey everything that Jesus said to do. And then one day, the Holy Spirit just opened my eyes as a teenager and was like, flipped the table of like, no, just love me and you will obey my commands. If just, you'll just be filled. You'll want to do what I do, and you'll be in union with me, right? Like, and, and so then this is the crazy part. Okay, so favor, back to favor. Sorry, guys. <laughs> in the Garden of Eden, right, we lost our awareness of God's favor, right? When we disobeyed, when we sinned as humans, what did they do? They wanted to hide. They were filled with shame. Um, they ran away from God, and, and they were afraid. And so they did not believe that they were favored by God anymore. And this is key because if we want to carry the presence of God, we can't believe that every time, like how many of you are human? Raise your hand. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, uh, I'm human. <laughs> I have to confess, I'm still human. <laughs> And, and we make mistakes, and we do things wrong, and we lose our temper. You know, maybe our flesh is weak in a moment, and we're tired or whatever. We mess up. But if we believe that the second we mess up, God leaves us, we're going to have this schizophrenic, you know, God's with us, and he's not with us. He's with us, and he's not with us. And we're striving, and we're trying hard to be perfect and do all the things, and we're, like, right back into works. Completely left grace. Right? We have to know that because of what Jesus did for us, the favor of God is upon us always. Always. He literally, in, in Psalm 23, I love David. David got stuff like thousands of years before Jesus came. He was jumping ahead, 
you, Mary, right? Mary was maybe like a month or two before Jesus's timeline, but David was like a thousand years or more. Like he's living in new covenant ideas. He's like, yes, we're supposed to have the presence of God with us. Everyone else had the presence of God in the Holy of Holies. They were like, oh God, if I go in there with one sin that I didn't say you know, to God and repent of, I'm going to die if I go in the Holy of Holies. David's like, let's bring it into battle and let's walk it all around the, the country and I'm going to dance in my underwear in front of it, in front of the whole nation because the presence of God is supposed to go everywhere with us. Right? He got it. Then, like, it's crazy. And so, like, believing the favor of God. And what happened, right? Remember when the thing happened and the guy stumbled and he touched the thing and he died? And then David was kind of, like, ticked off. Like, he, he left the presence of God, the ark, at Obed-Edom's house. He's like, I don't, I don't know what to do with that. Somebody just died. I, <laughs> like, and, and he's, like, waiting to see. Like, it's chilling there at Obed-Edom's. And he's like, hmm. Everything that Obed-Edom touches is really blessed now. I don't know. Maybe i got to rethink this again. <laughs> so, so he goes back, and actually he ends up, not only does he make an altar there and worship the Lord, and that's where he says, you know, Obed-Edom offers him the sacrifice, and he says, no, I will not give God something that costs me nothing. Okay, key. <laughs> but not only does he make the altar and worship but that becomes the future site of the temple, in case you didn't know that, where it chilled out there at Obed-Edom's. And it was, it was when David came back to the realization, and he says it in one of the Psalms, he says, I would have fainted, I think it's Psalm 27, I would have fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. He had a, a grasp on the goodness of God then when everything was wrath and sin and judgment and the prophets were just calling out bad things. But David walked in this belief of the goodness of God, that God is a good God in a good mood all the time, that he always is ready to receive me. When I come before him and I repent, whatever I've done, doesn't matter, that he loves me, right? In Psalm uh, 139, he says, even when I made my bed in hell, you are with me. It's amazing the grasp that that man had on the favor of God and the presence of God not coming and going based on his actions, but literally because of the nature of God as a faithful, loving father. And, and so the faithfulness of God is key to our belief in the favor of God. What does it say? It says when we are unfaithful, what? He is faithful still. Believing in the faithfulness of God over our lives is so powerful over our children, over our finances, over our health, whatever it is that we're looking at. If you start to worship and declare the faithfulness of God, because it's who he is, it's who he is. And his faithfulness and his favor, they're synonymous. In Psalms, multiple times, he says, your faithfulness surrounds me like a shield. Your favor surrounds me like a shield. Your faithfulness is like a shield that surrounds me over and over. And then we can fast forward into Ephesians 6 when Paul is talking about the armor of God. And if you, if you click it, get your little app out with the strongs and click the word, and the shield of faith, I used to always think it was my faith. It's not. It says faithfulness. It can be translated faith or faithfulness. And it is the belief that God surrounds us with his favor and that he is faithful, that protects us and that extinguishes the fiery darts of the enemy. That belief covers our lives so completely. The more we meditate on it, each one of the, that's a whole nother sermon, but each one of the armor pieces are revelations of the nature of God. And the more that we take them on and we live from them, they will do what they are corresponding to, like the helmet of salvation. If you believe that God always saves, period, your mind is protected, man. You're not going to be afraid. You're not going to be anxious or worried because all your thoughts originate from hope in God's power to save. 
okay? So the shield of faith is knowing his favor is upon you. He doesn't come and go. Okay, so last one. I have a million verses I'm just bypassing. <laughs> um, oh, this is too good to bypass. Sorry, guys. Uh, Psalm 23. Surely your goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Who loves Psalm 23? Okay, Psalm 23. That, if you, again, look at the original language, the word there is actually a military word. That means to capture, to pursue and overtake. So like in a conflict where you capture someone and you imprison them, like it's saying your goodness and your mercy literally chase me down. When I'm running away from you, your goodness and your mercy is chasing me down to capture me and overtake me. Isn't that amazing? Like that's how good God is. So we need to get that into us so that Hebrews 4.16 will be true for us. It says, let us come boldly. Say boldly. boldly. Say, it, say it boldly. Boldly! boldly! Right? <laughs> let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. We have to live out of that. So take a second. Imagine what you would feel like right now. Close your eyes. Forget about everybody around you. If you knew God was totally in love with you and he loved everything about you, literally every part of who you are, and that he was constantly with you and backing up everything that you do, let that fill your consciousness. How would you feel? Normally I'd run around with the microphone, but I don't have time because it's 12.02 and I still have one more key. <laughs> you probably feel peaceful. You probably feel invincible. You probably feel beautiful probably feel just restful. We need to live in that truth all the time, every day, that he is totally in love with us. I know I was like struggling for a while. I'm like, I'm too talkative. <laughs> I talk too much. Ah, I need to do better. I would use less words. Jesus, help me. <laughs> and, and I have stories my mom would tell me, you know, when I was like three years old, I'd be in the store and um, she'd be shopping and I'd just walk up to total strangers and be like, hi, my name is Jessica, da, da, da. And I would like tell them everything I knew, like my home address and whatever. And I'd just be walking right out of the store, following them, talking away at them, do, 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 you know, and they're like looking around like, where is this kid's mother? Like, <laughs> I don't, I'm scared to like, uh, she's cute and you need to go back wherever you came from. <laughs> And, and so I had shame because sometimes people would be like, you know, Ma, you talk too much. And, but God was like, what? I made that. I put that in you. I love that about you. I love that you love people and you love to talk to people. That is so beautiful. And, and it just like broke off like humans' judgments, right? Because we do that to each other. We put things on each other, Right? we got to get rid of that and listen to the Father. So, okay, last one, and I'm trying to do it fast. Authority. Um, understanding our authority. Uh, so uh, I don't know how many of you got to listen to the podcast thing or whatever, the Instagram Live, and I don't know if you know. I, I came from Toronto. I'll just say I came from Toronto, um, grew up in Toronto, went to the Toronto uh, blessing uh, when I was 18, straight out of school, but even prior to that, I was part of it while I was in school, um, did their school of ministry, and it was incredible. It was amazing, you know, saw miraculous things, gold teeth and feathers floating from heaven and 5,000 people on the floor and people in the parking lot crawling on their hands and knees trying to get into the building because the presence was so thick. You know, smoke filling the room while we're worshiping. Like, it was amazing, amazing stuff that happened. And um, so when I left from that, 
I had this kind of like weird thinking that like I just had to wait for God's spirit to kind of come like a cloud, right? Like you kind of like, how many of you ever feel that way? Like you're, you're praying and you're crying out for God to pour out his spirit and show up. Be honest. <laughs> okay, so I realized it put me in this posture kind of like a red light. Like I was sitting on the bench, you know, just like waiting. God, please show up. Please come and move. Please do something. Blah, blah, blah. You know, like, and I wasn't free. I wasn't realizing, like, I have a green light from heaven. The Holy Spirit's in me. I carry the Spirit of God. I remember when we got to Bethel, we moved to Bethel um, in 2010. And when I got to Bethel and I'm listening and I hear Bill say things like, you know, we, we have authority in Christ. And so when we come into a room, if the Spirit is moving, we can ride the wave, which is what a lot of us do, right? We're like, ooh, Holy Spirit's moving, yay! You know, we jump in and ride the wave, and it's fun. But he's like, but we also have authority to generate the wave, right? And, and that was like, wait, what? <laughs> we do? And, and I remember reading Smith Wigglesworth saying, um, you know, I don't want to mess it up because I do sometimes. Uh, it was such an audacious statement. I was like, what? Uh, if the spirit does not move me, I move the spirit. Amen. How many of you were taught, like, that's a scary way to talk? <laughs> right? You're like, ah, I don't want to be presumptuous with God and get, like, struck with lightning or something. You know, like, that's going back to that old mindset. But literally, Smith Wigglesworth believed that heaven was backing him and that if he, if it was in his heart to see someone get healed or breakthrough happen or something go on in a meeting, then the Holy Spirit was going to come because the Holy Spirit was with him and in him and loved what was in his heart to do, right? Like, Jesus says it over and over if you ask No, no, no. Only some things, only certain things at the exact perfect timing when you're prophetically in alignment with everything. <laughs> no, he said anything. Think about anything. If you ask anything in my name, I'll give it to you. My father will give it to you. Like over and over, he says it. One time in one chapter, he says it like three times when he's teaching about prayer. But we don't believe that way. When we go to pray, we don't believe that. We're like begging and pleading and fasting and trying to do all these things to like earn the breakthroughs and the miracles and whatever, right? Like we don't need to do that. We just need to spend time with God and know that he's in us and believe that he really is the God of the universe in us. Like, like we have authority, right? So um, I love at... at um, I'll go real quick. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. But then what did he say? You are the light of the world. Right? And then he said, all authority has been given to me. And then he says in Luke 10, 19, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. Right? And so, like, understanding that we have this power. Then Matthew 16, 19, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. And um, this year in particular, you can mark this one down, Isaiah 22, 22, because that's the word of the Lord for the body of Christ. I will give him the key to the house of David, which is the worship, again, and intimacy and presence of God, the highest position in the royal court. When he opens doors, no one will be able to close them. When he closes doors, no one will be able to open them. And so God is inviting us into this place of understanding that when Jesus said that you'll do these works that I do and even greater, that we carry that authority, that he has put himself in us, that he wants to move, he wants to touch people, and he's not um, he doesn't need his arm twisted, right? Like, we, he's waiting on us to get that revelation. And so, last picture, and then I'll end. So, imagine, he said um, he's going to pour himself out like the mighty Niagara Falls. We live near Niagara Falls, so I love going down there and just, like, freaking out in the Holy Spirit, like, ah! <laughs> this is how you're going to pour yourself out, like the large,
largest volume of water in the world in one place. And um, I had this realization one day, like every single drop of water that went together to make that flow. And think about, Jesus picked 12 guys to change the world, right? 12 guys. Look around the room. How many people are in the room? Way more than 12, right? So if we start to walk in, in that place of revival personally and overflow that everywhere we go, what do you think is going to happen to your city? It's going to change. It's going to be radically touched. The glory of God is going to go wherever you go. You're going to bring the kingdom into every store, into every neighborhood, into every workplace, into every school. You're going to bring the kingdom and release the glory of God, right? And, and it's from every single one of us walking in that place of the indwelling of the Spirit and overflowing it around us that it's going to happen. We don't need to wait. Yes, God comes with special visitations, and I believe he's going to do that in this house um, in, a, in a more visible, tangible way in the coming months. But he has given us his Spirit and his authority and his favor so that we can now, today, release revival into whatever place we go. Amen? Amen. All right, it's 12-11. Let's end. <laughs> so stand up. I want you to put your hand on your neighbor. We're going to pray for each other first. <laughs> so my favorite prayer from Toronto, I just always would hear John Arnott's voice. It could be like 1 a.m. in the morning, and we're all laying on the floor, all like whacked by the Holy Spirit, and you would hear over the speaker, more, Lord. <laughs> so just release that over your neighbor. Just declare, more, Lord, more of you. And just start to list off more intimacy, more health, more visions, more awareness of your favor. Just Fill everyone up, Lord. Fill us up that we would live from your presence. We would live overflowing. Yeah, we thank you more, more, more. <laughs> that we would live in that receiving posture. Ha. <laughs> yeah. Ha. <laughs> and then I want you to just put your hand on your own heart. Ha. And I want you to say this. Just say, I break agreement with the lie that your love is conditional, that your presence comes and goes based on my behavior. I break agreement with the lie that I have to strive to earn your love. I break agreement with the voice of the accuser That's constantly telling me I have to do more. That I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. I nail all those lies to your cross, Jesus. I don't want to live from that place anymore. Would you just speak to me right now? What is the truth? And just listen. I just hear, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Yeah. Yeah, so Father, I just thank you for just greater revelation, greater upgrades in that place of your love and encountering your love and living from the place of your love knowing that you are in us. Lord, that we would live a life that is fully saturated and overflowing with your spirit every day. Yeah. Thank you, God, that you just seal that truth in our hearts. Yeah. In Jesus' name. Be seated real quick.
Thank you. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna bless her. So grab your wallet, grab your checkbook, grab your phone, however you give, and we're going to give this morning. And we want to bless Jessica for that awesome word. I I love that. I love the energy of Jessica. Hunter, I think someone can keep up with you. <laughs> No, I want to honor her. I just, I, I just gave, um, uh, if you're giving with your phone, you can text 84321, put the amount, and then the word guest next to it. I just did it from my phone. And uh, I want us to honor her. Um, I want to encourage everyone in the room. I'm going to push you, everyone in the room. You're going to give something to honor, whether it's uh, a few dollars or a hundred dollars, whatever that looks like. Let's bless and honor the guests that come here. Amen. Try that again. Amen. Amen. One thing I, we have to be, one thing we must be is a generous people. We must be. Amen. And so we're going to, I'm going to pray over you and release you, but Lord, uh, ushers, you can come forward. Father, as we give, I pray that it would just be a tremendous blessing to Jessica and her family and her church this morning, that Lord, what we get to give and we get to sow into their lives would be used to see great breakthrough in their region in New York, Father. And that, Lord, and what's on her life, that, Lord, we could just get behind it and pour into that, God. We thank you for what she's poured out, and we thank you that we can pour back in. Lord, bless her in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. All right, you can pass the baskets. And so tonight we are going to go for it. Tonight is our, like I said, we do this once a month. So if you miss it now, you got to wait till next month. And so tonight at 6 p.m., we're going to come back together. We're going to have the whole worship team. We're going to have a little bit longer worship tonight. Um, Jessica's going to minister. We're going to lay hands on people. God is going to do amazing things tonight. And so um, I want to ask, as they're passing the baskets, though, those that are on my uh, prayer team, if you could come up this morning, come on up here, those on the prayer team. If you need somebody to agree with you this, this morning, maybe as she was um, praying, you're holding the fork down, Rachel. Um, oh, yeah, prayer team, come on up. There's badges. There's badges. They're hidden. Stand up. I'm going to bless you. Lord, bless your people. Bless your children as they go their way today. Father, may the words that were spoken this morning sink deep in our spirits, God, that we are loved by you, Father, that the importance of the presence, Lord, the importance of recognizing the favor on our life and walking in authority in Jesus' name. Bless them in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Bless some people around you, and we'll see you this evening. You've been listening to the Gate Charlotte's podcast. Consider subscribing so you don't miss a message. We're sending this to someone who might need encouragement today. Thanks for joining us.